please join me in the prayer for illumination? O Lord, our God, you are always more ready to bestow your good gifts on us than we are to see them and are willing to give more than we desire or deserve. Help us to seek that we may truly find, so to ask that we may joyfully receive, so to knock that the door of your mercy may be opened to us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. Our scripture today is from Luke 6, verse 43 through 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil, out of evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. The word of God for the people of God. Friends Center in Palestine, Texas. Um, Matt has been a, a friend for a long time. I'm sure you're familiar with Matt's ministry. He's an ordained elder in the Texas Annual Conference. Last serving four years ago, first Brian, before he uh, moved to Palestine. Um, Matt has done wonderful work at Lakeview. Um, it's a wonderful thing at Annual. I'm speeding it up. Hang on. No, no, no. Is I it... like that wonderful. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. He also makes good gumbo, right? So that's a good thing, right? He's done wonderful work at um, uh, Lakeview. Um, if you have been out there recently, you have seen uh, the development, the change, uh, the continued growth that's happening there in that place. It's also the home for fish camp. So those of you who are familiar with the institution college station called A&M, Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, so, so that's uh, kind of holy ground as well there. Um, I love going to annual conference and asking people, what do you think about Lakeview? And they immediately say, 90% of them will say, you know, that's where I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And I can say, looking at that cross, sitting at the Vester's Point, uh, it was a, a, a wonderfully dark night, eighth grade, uh, summer district camp, and that was holy ground for me. And so uh, it's wonderful to have Matt Item here uh, so that he can be our guest preacher on All Saints Day. You can find more of Matt's work on Huffington Post. You can find more opportunities to serve Lakeview. I think he's probably going to tell you about their that's capital right. campaign. So if you want to be involved, Involved in making sure that Lakeview has an opportunity to influence pastors and lay people for the future for Jesus Christ. You can do that too. Thank you for You're hosting so me. I tell everybody I have the best job in Methodism, Peter, because uh, at Lakeview we make Christians and we make Aggies. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, and the, the proof uh, of the pudding is always in the production, right? right, right. I, I believe um, you can claim Sharon Hill as one of your, um, you were youth director for I was Sharon's Sharon? youth director when she was in high school. So, That's why she's warped. So form your own judgments. <laughs> I was right? 12. I was a child prodigy. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity, pastors, plural. Thank you for inviting me to be in your church to share your pulpit as a sacred gift, and I appreciate that. Since 1947, Lakeview has been your conference camping and retreat center, and through those years has grown to be the strongest youth and children's camping ministry in all of Methodism. Uh, this summer we had 3,600 kids come to Lakeview. Uh, 
this, as, as Peter mentioned, Texas A&M, this coming summer will be the 60th consecutive year that Lakeview's hosted Texas A&M Fish Camp. And so through all these years, Lakeview has been a destination by default for the Methodist Church and for Texas A&M University. And we're in the process of leading Lakeview to become a destination by design where we're creating new programs, new opportunities, utilizing the facilities. What a lot of people don't realize is you drive into camp, you see all the buildings. If you've been there before, you see the chapel, the cafeteria. That's all on 200 acres. There's another 1,100 acres surrounding it that we own. Three lakes, and so we're opening up camping and birding. We just had the wildlife diversity team from Texas Parks and Wildlife there to do a survey of all the wildlife on that campus. We're developing hiking and biking trails. I met this past week with the East Texas Area Council of Boy Scouts of America, a 19 county region in East Texas, where they're talking about moving 100% of all East Texas scouting permanently to Lakeview. We're developing tent camping and hiking. And one of the things that I love is to always ask the question, which Peter brought up immediately, why does Lakeview make a difference in your life? There, we are legion, those of us who felt our calling to the ordained ministry. I was 14 at Lakeview when, when that experience struck me. Uh, in the past two summers, we've identified young people that feel a calling to the ministry. We've started a new program. We've got 93 young people signed up in that program. One of those knuckleheads is going to be your preacher someday. <laughs> it's going to happen. And, and we're investing in that. I back up from the television screen, and I look at it when they do the whole Texas A&M side, and I see all those kids there. 65% of those students have slept in your dorms at Lakeview. Okay? Which I am the first superintendent in the history of Lakeview to ever go to Aggies and ask them for money. <laughs> and uh, I'm very proud and have been given permission to say that Paul Cruzy, that owns Bluebell Ice Cream, wrote a check for $25,000 to Lakeview. And he's challenging other Aggies to do likewise. Now, if you're a Methodist Aggie, you've got two reasons to give. <laughs> but I do have a favor to ask of you A&M folks. We cannot solicit A&M people directly because of the separation of church and state. You can. You can write your friends that are good Lutheran, Baptist, Church of Christ Aggies who sent their kids and grandkids and themselves to A&M and share this story with them. And if you would take that initiative, you would help us a lot. We're easy to find. Just Google Lakeview Methodist Conference Center or type in I Heart Lakeview. I will have uh, propaganda at the door when you leave this morning. But the main reason I came today, in addition to ask you to give and to consider as a congregation, as individuals to do so, why are we giving? I forgot. We're in the middle of a $15 million capital campaign. We're replacing old dorms that are worn out. Okay? <laughs> they are worn out. The newest ones will open in April. We've got another set to replace Wesley. So that's the primary reason we're doing it. All right. So if, if you want the propaganda and information, I'll have that at the door. But the main reason I came today is to say thank you for my job. I work for you. You're my bosses. And I pray God give me the energy and the strength and the wisdom to help create that destination by design that we're all proud of that serves the future generations. That's the end of the tap dance. <laughs> All right. Any questions about Lakeview?
Well, then let's uh, turn our attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for reading the scripture. Let us bow in prayer. Now, God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts find acceptance in you. I pray you'll grant the messenger this hour the power, the presence, the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you will allow me, I'm going to begin this sermon with a rhetorical question. Where would we be without the tree? When I was a boy, I grew up in northeast Texas, outside of Longview. We lived in this two-bedroom frame house up until I, my little sister came along. Then they finally got wise and got us in a bigger house. But on that old frame house, there was a porch that came out like that and had a screen door with a spring on it. Remember those? And why I remember that so distinctly is just outside that door, down that step, was a catawba tree with a limb that came out low and swept up big like that. And I love that tree because I could run out that door and climb up that tree when my mama came after me with a switch. <laughs> now, my mother had a switch in every room of the house. <laughs> and so that spring, you know how, remember it, guys? If you'd hit it real fast, it'd double slap that door. So here she'd come out of the door, and I'd just sit there and look at her and wait till she wasn't mad anymore. But one time, I made a mistake. I went running out the door up the tree, and it was real cold outside, and all I had on was my pajamas. And I'm sitting up there in that tree, and I'm cold and shivering, and my mama's down there on the ground, and she was a vicious woman. And she, you know what she did? She got the water hose. <laughs> and then she switched me when I got down. <laughs> To this day, I can close my eyes and remember the bark and the feel of that catawba tree. To this day, I can smell and remember how it smelled. And what I got to realizing when I was reading this scripture about Jesus and trees is that he knew that catawba tree was a part of my life. In fact, he knows your tree story too. Jesus knows that every one of us have a tree story. Tree house in your life? Rope swing under a tree? Do you have any trees in your neighborhoods around here that you're proud of? That you tender? That you cherish? Uh, that you covet? We know trees. And so what Jesus is doing is he's doing something very simple. He's looking at trees in order to look at you, to look at me. And he makes a very simple statement and obvious here. A tree is known by its fruit. If I want to make an apple pie, I go to a... If I want to make a pecan pie, I go to a... What if I want to make a Christian pie? Following this logic, would I not go to a Christian tree? The Apostle Paul tells us what that fruit looks like, doesn't he? He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, patience, fellowship, self-control. Sound like a good pie to me. Jesus is looking into trees in order to look into us. Pardon the pun, a little heart of culture. Bada bing. Thank you. <laughs> 
That's kind of like your jokes, isn't it? <laughs> That's a Camerano. <laughs> okay? I have the best parsonage in all of Methodism. If you've been to Lakeview, you know, just before you drive over Thunder Bridge, my house is on the left. It's across the lake away from all the kids. <laughs> okay? And my back porch and my back window is like that. It's all glass. And you can sit there and look at the lake and the sun goes down in the evening over that lake with the cross. And I love it. I love Lakeview when there's a thousand kids stirred up all over that campus. But you know what I like equally as much is when they all go home. <laughs> and I've got Lakeview to myself. And this time of year especially I like it. Uh, I've always been an outdoorsman. It's quiet, and the first thing I like to do when I get out is let my bird dogs out and let them go. And I follow them on my Kubota 4x4. And the first place my dogs always go to is a grove of persimmon trees. And this time of year, those persimmons are up in those trees, and there's been possums and raccoons, and the dogs are sniffing around. Do you remember when you ate your first persimmon? Did someone come up to you and say, here, try this? <laughs> you said your dad did, Dave, didn't you? And it made you pucker up. And you said, gee, Dad, why'd you do that? You know, a persimmon's good if you eat it after first frost, you know? But if you eat a persimmon while it's green, it'll get you right like that. My cousins would come from Houston, and I'd give them persimmons. That's why Mama had all those switches, you know? <laughs> try this, try this. I like persimmons. On one corner of our property is an old house place. And at that old house place, there's a pear tree. And this summer, the pears got so heavy on that tree that we had to prop up the limbs with boards to keep them from breaking down the tree. And I'm looking at all those pears, and you know what I'm thinking? Pie. So I get all those pears, and I took it to Chef Jackson who is the chef at Lakeview, who incidentally won the 2012 State Chefs Association Pastry Chef of the Year. And he made a, yeah, he made a pear cobbler with bluebell ice cream. Mm. Y'all remember when the tornado hit Lakeview in 2006? It came across that south side of the lake. Didn't do much building damage, thanks be to God, but it took out a lot of timber, a lot of valuable timber. But when it hit the dam, it skipped up, and then about 300 yards set back down, and it left all the trees in that waterway, that spillway area, and that creek area below the dam. And I'm glad it did, because some of the biggest, most beautiful holly trees you've ever seen are growing up down that creek. And come December and January, when everything else is gray and dead, those holly trees will be like a neon light down that creek bottom. Tall, huge holly trees, bright green, red berries, and the birds come in there by the hundreds. And a lot of folks know I take a lot of pictures of Lakeview and a lot of nature shots. And I'll be down there with my camera taking those pictures, enjoying the beauty and those birds singing. But what would happen if you or I came up to that holly tree and took a handful of those red berries and put them in our mouth. Blech. We'd spit them out because they're just for show. But my favorite place at Lakeview 
is the highest point of our property where some of the biggest, most beautiful black walnut trees you've ever seen are growing. They literally look like these giant live oaks in this part of the state. Huge black walnuts with the limbs that come out and sweep to the ground. And all over the ground, black walnuts. So you know what I'm thinking again? Pie. <laughs> Have you ever had a homemade wild black walnut pie? There's one. Two. And you know why you don't have them much? They're too darn hard to pick out. They got this husk on the outside, the hardest nut you've ever seen. My neighbor said, well, put them in your driveway and run over them, see if that works. I tried it. It didn't work. You know, I had to get new tires. And I'm sitting there, and you pick, and you pick, and you pick, and you get about this much. And you know what color your hands are for two weeks? There's a reason they call them black walnuts. And what's this got to do with the body of Christ? With you and with me? Well, I just wonder how many of us are going to run into some persimmon trees at school tomorrow. Or at the grocery store or at work or the restaurant today. You know, those who have the capacity to produce good fruit but sometimes pick it too soon. And folks, it's hard to praise God when you're puckered up. It's hard to honor God when you rush God. It could be as overt as a teenager having sex out of wedlock. It could be as subtle as a mature Christian passing a rumor about somebody without knowing the facts. But whenever we do not allow God the time to ripen and nurture and mature our souls, we can't honor God with the goodness He's created us to be. Think of yourselves this morning as individual persimmons on a limb. Because isn't that why you're here this morning? Is to be nurtured and to mature and to ripen into the image of God? Isn't that why we sing our music? Isn't that why we pray our prayers, we go to our Sunday schools, we read our Bibles, we do our mission? It's so that we can all find the maturation of grace and faith in Jesus Christ's time. To present ourselves as a living sacrifice. To ripen in the image of God. Pear trees? Man, I've had some great loaded pear trees in my life. My parents, pastors, friends, uh, those who have loved me unconditionally. Those that have given themselves over to me. And I just think about how many times I've come up to those pear trees and I've harvested that fruit of love and forgiveness and guidance and wisdom. But here's the thing. Every time I look at myself and remember harvesting that fruit of grace off somebody else, if I'll turn around and look, somebody's pulling fruit off me. Because God doesn't call any of us just to be fed. He calls us to be feeders. That our lives are producing the fruit that is nurturing and taking care of others. Holly trees? Here comes another Peter joke. Jesus had another word for holly trees. He called them Pharisees. They look good on the outside. Had all the shiny berries. But you reach up and take a mouthful of what they're offered. Bleh, you spit it out. 
Theirs was a faith for show. Theirs was a faith for personal recognition. Theirs was a faith that was self-serving, not a faith of humility. Jesus calls us to be servants of his word, doers of his word, to not shine the light on ourselves, to be seven-day-a-week Christians, not one-day-a-week showboats. But of all these trees, I think Jesus loved the black walnuts the best. I think Jesus wore a robe and put black walnuts in his pockets, in fact. I cannot prove that biblically or theologically, but you've read the same story I have, have you not? Where one day he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he picked up a walnut named Simon and a walnut named Andrew. And you remember what he did? He broke them open. And he took time to pick out of them what was necessary to build his church. He was standing, I know Luke says it was a sycamore tree, but there's a walnut named Zacchaeus up there. And he pulled Zacchaeus down, he broke him open. Remember? And what did he do? He said, this walnut too is the son of David. He's sitting at a water well one day, and he's next to a walnut, and that black walnut has slept with every black walnut in town. You remember what he did? He picked her up. He broke her open. He told her to sin no more. And here's the best part. He didn't care how stained his hands got. He didn't care the price of handling all those walnuts, all those lives. The critical word in this text is the word heart. It appears several times. Out of the goodness of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good heart produces good fruit. A bad heart produces bad fruit. It comes from the Greek word cardia. Now, we preachers like to use them Greek words so you'll know we went to seminary. <laughs> cardia. You know, does that sound familiar? Cardia? Cardiac? Anybody here ever go see a cardiopulmonary specialist? You know? Anybody got nitro in their purse? Uh, anybody ever lose a loved one to a cardiac event? Cardia, cardiac. When, when we think that word, boom, 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 we think that organ in the middle of our body is pumping blood. But in the Greek, the word cardia is three-sided, not one-dimensional. It also means the center of reason and will reason and will. So we back up from this text, and here's what we hear Jesus saying. Out of your reason and your will do you produce fruit. Oh, so Jesus is saying that out of my reason, my will, do I produce the fruit of my life, which means all of a sudden I have a responsibility for the quality, the quantity, and the kind of fruit I produce. I can choose to produce a lot of love, or I can choose to produce a lot of hate. I can choose to produce forgiveness, or I can choose to be judgmental. I can choose to be one who cares, or I can choose to be one who is selfish. And the amount of that love or hate, that caring or that selfishness, the quality of those things are in direct proportion in relationship to how I live out my life, offering this tree to God and what God will do with that fruit. And then God does what only God can do. 
is to multiply that fruit. Or Satan does what only Satan can do. To multiply that fruit. And here you and I sit as trees with the opportunity to produce in, the, in that moment of decision. Do I offer myself over reason and will my heart to God or to myself? I'm reminded of the line from the great old hymn, Take my heart and let it be. You know the rest of it. Consecrated Lord to thee. So, our hearts are trees. Our hearts produce fruit. And God honors that. But there's a point at which this sermon bothered me as I was working on it. We had a drought in 2011 when I moved into Lakeview. The biologists and the tree folks said it'd be a year or two before you started really seeing the effect of it. And so we've got dead trees now. Big old pine trees, big old oak trees, sweet gums, hickories, elms. And invariably, the ones that die are the ones that you have to pay someone to cut down because they're right next to a building, you know. <laughs> and I look at all those dead trees. I mean, you only need so much firewood. What do you do with a bunch of dead trees? You ever had a hurricane in this neighborhood? Ever lost any trees you loved? They pile the refuge miles high, don't they? What do you do with dead trees? Droughts and hurricanes, you know, they come in all forms and shapes and sizes. Be married 40 years, lose a spouse, go home alone. That's a drought. You feel like a dead tree. Go through a divorce. That's a hurricane. You feel like a dead tree. Lose your money, have an addiction, raise teenagers, you know. And you can feel like a dead tree. And you back up from that and say, can God do anything with a dead tree? I'm reminded of a parable about a man that was walking home one day out in the country. And... Uh, he decides it's late. Instead of going around the road, he's going to crawl around the fence and shinny over the hill. And so he's going, and he didn't know that there was an old house place on top of the hill with a water well next to it, an old cistern. He's bopping along, whoop, he falls in the hole. He tries to climb up, and he falls back down. He climbs up, and he slides back down. So darkness comes, and all night long, he's in that hole. He's shivering. He's afraid. He's praying. He's whispering to God every second. He's shouting to God every moment. But finally, the sun starts to come up. He gets courage. He gets warm, and he does what every brave man will do. Help! Help! Somebody help me! And a man hears him, and he comes running up to the hole, and of all people, it's his enemy. His enemy looks at him and says, I always knew you were the kind of man to fall into a hole. And tells him what he thinks about him. Kicks a rock off on his head and off he goes. <laughs> help! Somebody help me! Another man hears him. He comes running up to the hole and he says, <gasps> That hole is dangerous. And he gets to realizing that he has a fiduciary responsibility to the welfare of all the people in the community. And he gets all worked up about it. And he goes back and he gets all the people in the Sunday school class to sign a petition. They present it to City Hall. They pass an ordinance against the hole. And he wins Citizen of the Year. Help! 
Help. This woman hears it. She comes running up the hole and she goes, that is the most unattractive hole I've ever seen. So they get the garden club and they plant posies all around the hole. The men build a little arboretum over it, little benches. They win hole of the month. (laughs) He's about to give up. One last cry of help, another man hears him. This man comes up and says, my friend, you're in a bind. Let me see what I can do. And this old boy looks around and he finds this dead tree. And he drags and he drags that dead tree and he drops the tree trunk down in the hole. And he scotches his heels and he spits on two nail-scarred hands and he extends those hands. Why am I telling you? I can tell by your faces you've already heard this story. No, I don't think that's it. I think it's because you remember when you were in the hole. Right? And he extended those hands to you. How do we start this sermon? Where would we be without the tree? Amen. I'm reminded how wonderful time passes in the midst of good worship. And so, we're not doing announcements. Here comes the invitation. Be a good tree. Where's David Hill? How much would we like to sing of the closing song? Well, David Hill disagrees. All right, come on. We're going to sing, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Uh, Let's bow for a word of prayer. Almighty God, we give thanks for trees and their fruit and the heart that you've gifted all of us with. May we use our intellect and our reason to bring about a great harvest in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.